Welcome to the Fix Your Fatigue podcast with Tiffany Flayton, a board-certified and licensed nutritionist, author, and thyroid expert on a mission to help people who are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Hey, everyone. Today's episode is one of my kind of favorite things to talk about because it's something I need to address with people on a regular basis, but also one of the most maddening things that I talk about, and it is medical gaslighting. And first off, I want to say that I don't think, for the most part, practitioners in our conventional or traditional medical system are intending to do any of this. I believe it's part of a bigger process, part of the way that the system is set up and run, all the checks and balances that are there to help them carry out their practice. They practice under some rules and regulations that don't really allow for room, which is what brought me to what I'm doing today, actually, because I was sick and tired of it. And it's been something that had happened to me for a really long time and actually has still continued to happen, which is why I rarely use or go to people in a conventional medical practice. That's just my opinion. This is my experience, but it is an experience that I share with many, unfortunately. So I'm going to talk about some of the things that look like gaslighting in the medical world, in your health, when it comes to your health. And I will discuss some scenarios that either I've experienced or I know other people have experienced and some just common things. And again, it goes back to the way that our system is set up. I don't necessarily believe for the most part, hopefully anyway, that anybody who is a doctor or whatever specialty that they might be in is actually trying to do this. I just don't believe that there's that many people out there that are that way. So let's get started. So the first one, and it's kind of subtle, and it's when you present outside of the scope of standard symptoms when it comes to whatever condition, you feel like you're being dismissed. All right. There's something that happens with that. And it's very low key. It's in the beginning stages when you first start to feel, I mean, it can be in the later stages too, of trying to figure out your issues and trying to get help. But I think this happens most often in the beginning, because if you go in and you're understanding your body really, really well, and you feel funny, you feel tired, lethargic, achy, whatever it might be, you more than likely will be given some kind of prescription to help those symptoms, but there'll be nothing to look into what's actually causing it. And they'll just be, oh, well, it's just because you're getting older. Okay. So that is something that I was told from the time I was like, I don't know, 22, 24, I was just getting older. And so my symptoms were because of that at 22 or 24. And my thought was, if this is how I feel now, I can't imagine 30, I can't imagine 40, and I might as well not be living at 50. That's kind of where it was going. And there was just no conversation about that. There was no other option to get help. It was just, here, just take this. And it's just how your life is. Just get used to it. And I hear this so often from so many people. That is the first step. And so for me, 
and not that I guess not that this goes in steps per se, but this is me taking you through my some of my experiences. And so I was just told that another thing other than age is that just I need to relax, you know, just relax, you're fine. It's not that big of a deal. You're you're fine. So just being dismissed. And that happened for many, many years. And so I never knew or thought that I could look at anything different. Although when I look back, even in college, when I was busy taking a bunch of lab courses and working a lot of hours and trying to study, I was also going to the bookstores and purchasing books I couldn't even afford to really figure out what is wrong with me. And it was usually in the self-help aisle. And it, I thought I was going crazy, you know, for whatever that means, but that's kind of how they make you feel sometimes over time. You're like, well, it must be me then. I must just be a hypochondriac. I must just be lazy. I must just be this, that, and the other thing. That's where it happened and is for me. That's what, that's where I went. And I do hear that from a lot of people. So it is not uncommon. All right. So the next thing, and this kind of goes together. So number two would be minimizing symptoms. So minimizing symptoms, again, it goes right into the dismissal. I feel my symptoms of the fatigue, which can be contributed to or attributed to numerous things, right? I mean, we can feel fatigued if we've had two or three nights out that we weren't intending on it, or if we just couldn't sleep well, it could be something as benign and obvious as that. But it could be a bigger picture of something else. So in my mind, I'm young. And I should be I was relatively healthy with everything else. I was very active. I was doing pretty well in school, despite all the things going on around me. But the fatigue was unbearable even then. And honestly, when I really take a look back, it was going back into high school. I felt like I needed more sleep than others or I couldn't get out of bed. Like getting out of bed was um, just a huge monumental task and setting the alarm and snoozing the alarm numerous times just to get out of bed. It was unbearable at times. And it was just thought of as oh, well, it's just not that big of a deal. You're healthy. It's just, I guess it's just you just minimizing it. Like that's not a big deal. Just kind of, again, suck it up. So it's similar to being dismissed, but minimizing symptoms of different situations, like later on in life, having chronic sinus infections, chronic illness to where every fall I would get so sick. It would take me out in the sense of being in bed, not functional for a couple months, starting every fall. It would start around August with seasonal allergies and it would snowball into having pneumonia and bronchitis. I mean, there was a time where I collapsed a lung from coughing so hard. I would finally gone into the doctor and they did a chest x-ray and they saw that that's what had happened. And after that, I had gone in for another sinus infection to figure out what was going on there. And I just said, I just feel like there's something with my immune system that every fall that this is this extreme. It's not like I have a cold for a week or two weeks. It is like severe illness where I can't work. I can do kind of the bare bones minimum things. And 
the doctor just told me, actually, I think this was a PA. She just told me that it's not that big of a deal because I was asking for a referral to a specialist to maybe look into maybe the root cause of what was causing some of this stuff. And she just said, oh, that's, it's not that big of a deal. A lot of people get sick in the fall. And the whole thing is, did you hear me? I am out for a couple months. It starts in August. And there are times where I have not gotten normal until Thanksgiving time. That is not normal, but it was definitely minimizing the symptoms. Everybody gets sick in the fall and it's no big deal. Just again, just move on. Let's not address the root cause. All right. So that kind of brings me to number three and I hate using this word. So it's just to get the point across. All right. It's just to get the point across. It's not meant to be derogatory towards anybody with mental health issues, but you start to be feeling crazy. You start to feel like you don't trust yourself, like you're making symptoms up, like you're bothering and wasting their time when you go in to try to get help. When you question things, you start to feel like there's something wrong with you. And it really does a number on the psyche. I'm telling you. So um, I wouldn't say that I went to therapy because of this. Definitely not. But in part of my problems with my health, there were, you know, the mental health issues that came with it. Anxiety and depression were super, super real for me, like devastating to me. There's clinical depression that I finally was diagnosed with. But still, when I had this clarity about, I know there's something else going on beneath the surface of what I'm talking to you about, whether it was the psychiatrist for medication or the therapist for support in between, or the doctors I was trying to get answers to about my symptoms, you know, there's just this feeling of there is something wrong with me and I don't understand and no one's willing to help me. Or maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm making this up. Maybe I'm just wimpy. Maybe I'm just lazy. Maybe, you know, you just start to beat yourself up. It is so frustrating. It's You feel so hopeless and so defeated. And it's like, it's just all in your head. It's just, you believe, you know, you are led to believe that it's something that you need to fix up in your head. And after that, it'll be fine. And there's nothing they can really do to help you with that. So I remember sitting in my therapist's office one day, had started the medication that the psychiatrist gave me to help with the clinical depression, to help me deal with my awful, awful symptoms. It all just snowballed together. And I said to the therapist, I said, here's the deal. I am taking this medication. And while I believe that it took the edge off where I feel like a little bit of light in my system, just a little bit of you know, positivity or happiness or whatever, I still can't function normally. I'm still really sad. I'm still very depressed. I don't feel well. When is that going to change? What is causing those symptoms underneath it all? And she looked at me like I had three heads and she just said, you just keep going to therapy and you keep taking your meds and that's all you need to do. And that's not true. I'm just saying you need to sometimes look beyond that. I'm not against therapy. I'm not against psychiatric meds if you need for depression or whatever else. But usually there's something happening biochemically underneath it all that can actually help support and you make you feel better so that you're not dependent on all of that. 
So it should be like a part of the process, in my opinion, and it can be now that I know different, but most likely you're not going to be told that by those particular practitioners. All right. Um, again, because of how the system is set up, that it's not because there's any ill intent. It's just because from the outside looking in, it's how the system is set up. All right. So the next thing, um, I guess I would generalize it and call it stereotyping. And I'm coming at this from a female's perspective. But when I was in college, I suffered from awful migraines. I'm sure it was in part poor diet, stress, staying up late, not getting enough sleep, studying like crazy, feeling super anxious, dealing with the depression. I'm sure it was all part of that. Bad hormonal symptoms every month and that kind of thing. But I had migraines that would put me in bed at 6 p.m. I needed to be in the dark and it worked out well being in North Dakota because it's dark in the wintertime at like 4.30 or something like that. Um, so just being in the dark and not being able to move sometimes because of how bad the headaches were, nausea, vomiting, the whole nine yards, all while I'm trying to work, go to class, go to lab classes, study, and figure out what is wrong with me health-wise. All right, so I went to finally after... Going to my doctor and complaining about my symptoms, they referred me to a neurologist. And I had had a couple incidences with concussions when I was in high school. And so, you know, maybe there's something connected to that because it wasn't that many years after high school. And I went to a neurologist and he told me that I have these headaches because I was a woman and I had hormone issues. So here's these three medications and too bad. This is how it is. You're just, you, there's nothing you can do because you're a woman and have hormones, which is so stupid because we all have hormones and they can always get imbalanced even for men. But that was his solving my problem um, was giving me some heavy duty medications that compounded my fatigue. It made me sometimes fall asleep in a chair. Did it take the migraine away? Yeah, <laughs> but I couldn't do anything after that because I was in my chair sleeping. I would be watching something or sitting in my chair doing homework or whatever and fall asleep sitting there. And that was the answer. It was because I was a woman. So I don't know what that looks like for other people and if they've had those experiences. And honestly, if you have anything to contribute to this or any experiences with this, I would absolutely love some feedback on, on your experiences because um, it's just super interesting. Sometimes you start to feel like this is only your experiences, but I know that's not true. So message me at hello at tiffanyflighton.com. And that would be, I don't know, be really interesting to hear. And hopefully it's not too much. All right. Hopefully we don't have too many experiences like this, but I'm suspicious that that's not the case. The next thing is lab work refusal. So, and then this kind of goes into the last one I want to mention. So I'll lump these together. So lab work refusal and shaming for research. Okay. So these are my experiences again. And like I said, in the beginning, I've talked to a lot of people that have similar circumstances and similar experiences. And so this is not just my own, but these particular things are. All right. So lab work refusal. And actually this has just happened recently with me 
trying to work with a doctor with my daughter's situation. And it was like pulling teeth to get some stuff done and get some answers done. So I know that not everybody is into anatomy, physiology, biology, science, and health and all the things. I understand that. However, I would say the majority of people who are struggling with symptoms can research and read information. Maybe they don't understand all the minutiae of all the sciencey stuff, um, but they might be able to learn enough to ask the question and to maybe get some support because you're trying to help yourself. All right. So my experience with this, when I was trying to deal with things, this is even after the thyroid cancer and surgery. And this is probably like three years after, and I'm still feeling like garbage. I wasn't supported from my doctor with medications and trying new medications with the thyroid thing. That's a whole nother episode. Um, but what I was trying to figure out is a few things like with inflammation and blood sugar and that type of thing. I asked for my general practitioner, I asked her to run some basic labs for that. Now their hands are tied apparently because she was said, no, you're too young for that. Insurance won't cover it. And I said, well, what about if I just pay cash for those tests? Because I knew those tests weren't that expensive. So it wouldn't be that big of an issue to pay cash for it because I wanted at least a baseline. And she just kept saying, you're too young. That doesn't, you know, we can't, we can't write an order for that lab. We can't, we can't, we can't. And she didn't, she wouldn't, and she couldn't. So she couldn't do that. I don't think she was shaming me for doing the research to know this because I think I'd worked with her long enough. She knew that I wasn't just asking for things, just to ask for things. But she couldn't, her hands were tied. And I have experienced this down the road, like I said, with my daughter with things and they will not run certain labs if it doesn't check the box with the symptoms or the presentation of the individual patient. And so that is really frustrating because sometimes there are things showing up on things that are not expected, especially in this day and age with our poor quality food, our poor lifestyle habits. People are getting younger younger and younger diagnosed with different chronic conditions. And so you would think that that would work, especially if you're trying and willing to pay cash for something. And no, they won't do that. So the recent situation with my daughter was this chronic infection where it was causing her to have symptoms like every couple months and she'd be knocked out, wiped out, sleeping for two days with a low grade fever, sometimes a high grade fever actually, and just down and out and just, just done for like two days. And then she kind of perk up and then she would be better and whatever. So I had to beg for a regular test for looking at blood cell, white blood cells and looking at the immune system. I had to push that and she wasn't going to order that test for me because she just said, well, it's viral and there's nothing to do. And I'm just like, this has been happening every couple months for about six months. There's got to be something happening there. Well, she ran it eventually. Finally, it came back where she did actually have an indication of having some kind of bacterial infection. So in this case, antibiotics, which I don't love to have to take, but in, you know, if you can't get over things and you're getting sicker, you got to deal with taking what you need to take to help yourself get better. And that's what we did. And she got better. And that stuff hasn't happened since. Now, there's a whole other issue when it comes to thyroid, <laughs> thyroid testing. And that's probably a whole different podcast. But 
that is where I see and hear the most because I work with so many thyroid patients is that the shaming for the, for doing their research is huge when it comes to thyroid. And I have gotten it myself actually too. And I get told, have gotten told things like, oh, those numbers don't do anything. All those woo-woo doctors order those types of markers. They don't tell us anything about how the thyroid is functioning or how the hormone levels are in your body or things like, if it makes you feel better, I guess we could do that, but it's really not going to help you. So basically what they're saying is we're not trained into testing thyroid like that. I don't know what I'm doing when I look at those numbers. Therefore, I don't want to look like a moron when you get your lab results back and they're not in normal range. I don't know what to do after that, but they can't say that, or they won't say that. And to be honest, I've talked to practitioners off the record, so to speak, just like in a normal conversation, not as a patient. And it is true that they are totally trained to order only two. It's T4 and TSH. They're only trained really to order those two tests when it comes to thyroid, unless there's some specialty, you know, an endocrinologist that's working on someone with thyroid cancer or, you know, some other condition. But for the most part, they're only trained to do that. They do not know what to do with any other labs when it comes to thyroid. And this is probably true for many other things as well. But when you present research, they don't like it. I don't know if it's an ego thing. I don't know if it's because I'm sure to be honest, I'm sure sometimes it's super annoying. You've got the people with six pages of Google, Dr. Google kind of, you know, articles and that kind of thing. I get that. That's probably a little bit much, but when you're suffering that badly, that you're willing to bring in research or documentation or question some things and you get dismissed and your symptoms are minimized and you're told that you're crazy basically, and that it's all in your head and that you're a woman and we're not going to order these labs just because you did some research that is gaslighting. That is abusive, especially for those people who are struggling and suffering. And here's one other thing that kind of goes into the research aspect of things. And this happened to me and it still pisses me off. I had gone for the thyroid surgery, cancer, et cetera. My initial work on that was with one hospital entity, a very world-renowned entity. And they were amazing for that initial acute sort of stage of my process of dealing with thyroid cancer. After that, not impressed at all. Then I switched to another doctor. So that was from 2007 to 2010. So I was with the one place for three years. Then I went to another place in 2010 and got a little bit different help. And it changed my trajectory of my health. Like right there, he was willing to help me out. He was amazing. He would listen to me. He was willing to try, whereas the other place would not do a thing for me. So totally grateful for that situation. So was there from 2010 until just recently. It is 2023 people. Okay. So I've stayed with him for that long. All right. In the midst of those years and those beginning years, my situation with a thyroid cancer is such that I don't have a thyroid gland. I had several lymph nodes removed due to cancer. And from that, they check tumor markers on a regular basis. My tumor markers would randomly elevate super high, high enough to where we needed to do further testing like PET scans, or, you know, there's fear of it spreading to the lungs or other places, which is scary as hell. And so there there's just testing. 
that you have to do. And the correlation between the fact that I have no thyroid gland, I had a bunch of lymph nodes removed, and there's still this thyroid tumor marker flagging is a little bit scary. And I am super suppressed with my medication. Again, that's a whole nother episode. It's kind of detailed. But the whole thing was, is that he would flat out tell me, he's like, I've never seen, I haven't seen a patient like you where you're on high dose medication to suppress the cancer and still have tumor markers come up, but then ultrasounds or whatever, don't show anything happening or PET scans don't really show anything happening. I've never seen this before. So over the years, it's a little scary when that flags up on a regular basis. I don't want to have PET scans. I've had three of them. They're super invasive, you know, that stuff lingers with, it's just not something you want to do on a, on a routine basis at all, if you don't have to. And so I went to another super specialist who specializes in women and thyroid. And she told me that I was ridiculous for doctor hopping. She had been the third doctor and I was looking for all of these things. So I had been with one doctor and hospital system for three years and was frustrated that I was not getting better on symptoms day to day. I went to another one who supported me and helped me and it made all the difference. And yet I still had symptoms flagging, tumor markers flagging. So therefore I thought, hmm, maybe a second opinion on why that might be happening. Maybe this guru might see something he doesn't. And so I can stop having to deal with all of this or at least know that, okay, this is just how it is. And it is in fact, not uncommon. Nope. I was a doctor hopper. I was a doctor hopper for checking her out after probably five, maybe eight years after dealing with the ups and downs of my tumor markers. That was me being a doctor hopper. Do you think I ever would recommend her? Do you think I'd ever go to her? Do you think that I wrote a review for her? Absolutely, I did. And also being a female, you'd think there'd be a little connection with that and just dealing with all the things with raising a family and little kids and all the things like that. But she didn't relate at all. So Again, I'm not trying to throw everybody into the same ball of medical gaslighting, but I'm telling you, it's a thing. I don't know that it's always intended. I think there are doctors or other practitioners that have, you know, good bedside manners and some with not such good bedside manners. And sometimes that's what it is. But I think the bigger process is, or the reason for this process is because of the bigger system, you know, what they're working under and the parameters from which they need to work. And so I'm going to be something different for you. I am different for you people who are trying to get to that root cause of their issues. That is what I'm here for. That's the whole reason I started doing what I'm doing. And I hope that you follow me and whether you jump into my groups or if you join my membership, which I really think you should, because it is a fraction of the cost of working with me one-on-one in my programs and packages and testing and all that kind of stuff. You get a ton of support. You feel validated. You, you will be given guidance and, and help and your symptoms will not be minimized. Your frustrations will not be minimized. You'll be supported. You'll be empowered. You'll be uplifted and you'll be able to overcome many of your issues just by doing some kind of basic things. But if you don't know what those are and you're following the commercials that are, especially this time of year, January, 2023 on blast about different diet plans and quick fixes, that is not this. So if you're looking for a quick fix, it's not this, but if you're looking for support and guidance and actual help 
and referrals to practitioners that can need to prescribe for you if need be, absolutely, this is the plan for you. It's called the All Year Resolution Membership. And like I said, it is a fraction of the cost of working with someone at this level for, you know, someone at like that deep of a level for $50 a month, for $50 a month. It's one-on-one, I tell you, is amazing. And I absolutely love working with it, but you can get that guidance and support to get you going in the right direction. And you're going to start feeling better in a lot quicker time and actually overcome and resolve the issue. So you don't just keep coming back every December 31st with some crazy plan to this year is it, I'm going to finally do it. You're going to be learning how to do it and implement and habit stack and change things all through the year so that you can actually feel better by this time next year. And if you have a slip up, you know how to get back on the track and, and you'll be fine. So Join me in all your resolution membership program so that you don't feel gaslit and you feel supported and you actually start to feel better. It's in there for you. All right. It's there for you. So go to the show notes, click on the link and sign up today. You can join anytime. And like I said, it's not going to stay this price for very long. It's a really good price. It won't stay that way forever. So I would jump in now and get, you know, stuck into that price point so you can start to feel amazing in no time at all for a low investment, but a very high investment in what you're going to get out of it. There's a ton of value there for you. So, all right. I hope this has been helpful. I hope this resonates and that you understand that it's not you, it's them, and that you can actually join a group that can be supportive and help you move forward in your health. Have an awesome day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Fix Your Fatigue with Tiffany Flayton. If you are enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.